Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews, I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 13 and verse 2. And I'm going to read this uh, from the Amplified Bible. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, you know, uh, there's lots of people that are saved. But you know, there's a lot of Christians that get more out of their salvation <laughs> than other Christians do. And this is one of the reasons why is what we're going to study tonight. And we're going to study tonight about divine order. You know, if you get yourself in divine order, you will get more out of your salvation. You will get more from God. You will get more from Jesus. You will get more from the Holy Spirit. You will have more flowing to you, more flowing from you, if you get in divine order. Romans chapter 13, verse 2. It says, Therefore he who resists and sets himself up against the authorities resists what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. And those who resist will bring down judgment upon themselves, receiving the penalty due them. Now this is talking about governments, and we're not specifically talking about governments tonight. So I don't want you to get lost, caught up in the fact that he's talking about authorities there. But it says what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. I want us to focus on that part. What God has appointed, and the King James doesn't even say this. The Lord spoke to me and told me to teach on divine order, which I've understood the principle of divine order for years. And I've said things before just in passing to pastor, well, that's out of order. That's out of divine order. Different situations that we would come up against. But to just study it out in the Scripture and to find it in the Scripture, I didn't. But I thought, well, you know, I wish that there was a Scripture that talked about divine order. In the King James, there's not. I mean, there's Scriptures that refer to divine order but not specifically say it. But I just typed it into my computer program and told it to look up divine order in the Amplified Bible and praise God I found scripture. Amen. Romans chapter 13 verse 2 this is the only version I could find a scripture in that talks about it. It says God is appointed and arranged in divine order and those who resist will bring down judgment upon themselves receiving the penalty due them. You know Christians have lots of problems because they get out of divine order. Christians don't get all the blessings that they could get if they would stay in divine order. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The power of God flows in divine order. In the absence of divine order, the power of God does not flow. The power of God does not flow as well. You know, we can have, sometimes we can squeeze out a little bit of blessing from God, whereas if we'd get over in divine order, we could get a lot of blessing from God. Amen? And it's important that we continually and constantly are adjusting our lives and into that divine order. It's also important that we judge ourselves. The Bible says if you'll judge yourself, you'll not be judged. And, and we, when we come up against situations, when we come up against decisions that we have to make, that we check those decisions against divine order. Is this in order? Is this in divine order? And we're going to be very bold tonight, and we're going to speak very plainly tonight. And we're going to say some things that um, might shock some of you, but God wants us to teach the church to be in divine order. Uh, things that are in divine order are anointed. When things are in divine order, it's anointed. When things are out of divine order, it will not be anointed, or at least the anointing will be severely diminished. 
Now, one of the things, what we really want to talk about tonight is, and maybe eventually we might talk about divine order where governments are concerned and so forth, but, um, and maybe we even will touch on uh, divine order in the church because that could be a good way to flow one night. But, um, and all of these areas over, overlap, but really what I'm being led of the Spirit tonight to talk about is divine order in the home. That all of our homes would be in divine order. In the Bible, Jesus told us this year, God told us, the Holy Spirit told us, somebody told us, hallelujah, that He wanted us all completely free in 2003. I mean, you know you'll get free faster if you'll get in divine order. You'll stay free longer if you'll get in divine order. You'll be able to prosper more if you stay in divine order and get in divine order. You know that um, everything God does reflects His divine order. In fact, God is more orderly and things are more divine than we have even realized. What'd, y'all, what'd you do with my little book? Oh. You know, um, things are more orderly and more divine than we've even realized. God's more planned and it's all a lot more... Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's deeper than we could understand on, on this side of heaven. There's things we're going to learn in heaven that are going to be so awesome and we're just seeing a sprinkling of them. And God, it's all about His order and how He planned it and He structured it and he, he, it is well planned. Like, for instance, uh, this is a book I bought. It's called The Secrets of Hebrew Words. I'm going to read something from it here in a little bit, but I'll just share one little thing from it just to show the power of God and how planned He is and how, how it's, all so, it's all so awesome. It's all so deep, you know. But the word Adam, uh, the, the, the Adam, the first man, in the Hebrew language, and this is what this man says. I'm not knowing this myself. I read it out of this book. Uh, this, in the word Adam, if you break it down in the Hebrew, it, uh, it has three names in it. His name has three names in it. His name has Adam, it has David, and it has Messiah all in his name. And you know, then we read in the scripture that, where it says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the earth. In other words, that's what that tells us is that God, in His foreknowledge, even though He didn't plan it and didn't cause it, in His foreknowledge, He knew that Adam would fail and that He would have to redeem the situation. And in His foreknowledge of knowing all that and planning all that, when He named Adam, He just put it all in His name. And we know that that Jesus is of the lineage of David. Amen. And he, and, and hallelujah, glory to God. I don't know if that just makes you, that makes me have goosebumps. That God is so orderly. He's so structured. He's so divine. He's more structured and orderly and divine than we could ever even know. We're just, we just touch and scratch the surface, don't we? Um, God is, everything God does reflects his divine order. And everything God does is good. That's what he told us in, in Genesis. He, you know, he, he created and he said, oh, this is good. You know, when he said that, it didn't mean this is pretty. You know, we've kind of, we, we look at chocolate cake and say it's good. But hallelujah. And you know, we can even, you know, have you ever baked a cake and it fell? And it looked pitiful? It fell apart? Did you ever bake a cake and it fell apart? But it still tasted good and you still ate it? And we'd say, oh, but this is good. But it's not perfect, is it? 
But when God made the universe, when he said it's good, he didn't mean, well, you know, it, it, it was not completely right, but it's pretty good. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. It was good. It was completely perfect. It was completely in divine order. Amen? And everything God does reflects His orderly way of thinking. He has a very orderly way of thinking. God is never random. He's never scattered. Um, he's always structured and He's always filled with purpose. He's always filled with purpose. Amen? Everything He does has purpose in it. Um, when God put more than one human on the earth, He had to have order, didn't He? Right there when more than one got involved, there was the opportunity for chaos, wasn't there? There was the opportunity for confusion and there had to be, uh, there had to be a divine order. You know, the Bible says uh, God is not the author of confusion. God doesn't cause confusion. He doesn't set up things that are going to be confusing. He's the author of peace. He's the author of divine order. And divine order is the plan of God that is right. If you want to know what is the definition of divine order, divine order is the plan of God that is right. What is the plan of God that is right? The plan of God. You know, divine order will always reflect righteousness. And when we get in divine order, things will start to work that never worked before. Amen? When we get things out of order, we can look at that even in, in, in a car. If you put the wrong part in the wrong place, guess what? It don't work, does it? Amen? And when you're cooking, if you put the wrong ingredient in, amen, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And it's that same way in our lives. If we'll get in divine order, it'll start working. It'll start flowing. It'll start being blessed. God's approval can come on it. God's good hand can come on it. Amen? God can't approve something that's out of order, that's out of divine order. He can't bless something that's wrong. When something's wrong, He can't bless it. Now, He, he loves us, but he, he, he wants us to get back in divine order so that He can bless it. Um, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at the family in divine order. We could look at governments in divine order. We could look at uh, church, and, and maybe we will one night, but I want to look at family. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Amen. Now, I'm trusting God in this. Amen. To get out what needs to be said about families and divine order. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He says, but... Oh, I'm in, am I in 2 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Okay. But I want you to know and realize that Christ is the head of every man, and the head of a woman is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Well, there you have it, folks. Divine order. Amen? But I want you to know and realize that Christ is the head of every man, the, the head of a woman is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. I don't think it says that in the King James, does it? I mean, it doesn't actually. Doesn't it say it a little different? 
Does it say it a little bit? Hallelujah. Well, the head of man is God, and the head of every woman is her husband. Every married woman is her husband. And uh, the head of Christ is God. Hallelujah. So if we will maintain order, it will provide protection for us. It'll provide security, and it'll provide... Um, a blessing. You know, Kevin sang that song tonight. We were singing about, I dwell in safety. Uh, sometimes people are believing to dwell in safety, and actually they're not in safety at all because they're, they're out of divine order. A woman can get out of divine order and get out of safety, can't she? A church member can get out of divine order and get out of safety. Amen? So... Um, we have to stay in divine order. Now, in Christ, in Christ, we're all equal before God. That means in your personal relationship to Christ, you are equal before God. No woman has to go to her husband and ask him to pray and talk to God for her, does she? No, she's equal to him before God. But in living life, there is divine order. The more your life is in divine order, the more success you'll have in life. You know, if something is rotten at the core, the fruit's going to be rotten. If the core is good or is in divine order, the fruit will turn out good. In other words, if something's right at the beginning, then the fruit or the end of it will be right. And if something's wrong at the beginning, the fruit or end of it will turn out wrong. So it's important to, to, to be in divine order in our homes and in our relationships. I kind of don't know where to start when I talk about home and talk about our relationships because you don't know whether to start with marriage or to start with dating. Because did you know that dating can be all out of order? It can be all messed up. It can be... Uh, it can, it, a lot of, do you all know people get the cart before the horse in dating? Amen. And uh, it's so important as parents that we guard our children and make them stay in divine order when it comes to the relationships with the opposite sex. Amen? You know, one thing that's out of divine order, it's just not in order. I mean, you can justify it any way you want to justify it, but it's not in order, is for the girl to chase the boy. That's out of order. And, you know, it's, it's hard work as parents in our day to put a stop to that, to stop the girl from chasing the boy. But the girl was meant to be the pursued one. He was supposed to pursue her, like Isaac sent his servant after Rebecca. Amen? And you know, it's very common in our day and age for uh, girls to call boys. And that might be okay once there's a deeper relationship, you know, formed. But it's not okay starting out. And that should be your clue of this thing's out of divine order. This, this is not God. This is out of divine order. The girl's chasing the boy. She won't leave him alone. You know, girls that are smart are kind of a little bit uh, hard to get. They're not just out there so available. They're not desperate and chasing everything that has britches on. Amen? 
They think of themselves, you know, and we ought to teach our little children to think of themselves this way. You know, that she's really special. She's just a little princess. And he ought to have to pay. Amen? To get her. See, that's divine order. There's some simple things, but it's, it's out of order. when it's And, and you know, it's just, it's just good to get it right, isn't it? And, you know, I, I've told this story, and I'm not going to go into it in depth, but a uh, pastor and I dated from the time I was a, jun- a, a sophomore in high school. He was a junior. And um, then when he went away to college to West Texas State, and I was going to be a senior in high school, we broke up. So he could date other people, and I could date other people. But I knew he is the one. I knew he was the one. And so, and I wanted him. But I had a real smart youth leader. And his name was Ralph, and I've told you about Ralph. And Ralph talked to me, you know, and while he was gone, and Ralph said, Well, Debbie, if you want him, I'll tell you how to get him. And I've never told Pastor in all these years what Ralph told me. But I'm going to just give you a hint tonight of what Ralph told me. He said, he didn't say this, but in, if, if you boil it all down, what he said was, get, stay in divine order. Don't be so available. It worked in two weeks. It worked in two weeks. You know, I just began to, and he doesn't know this, I mean, bless his heart, I just hate to give my secret away. Oh, finally, after 30 years. But you know, uh, Of course, back in the olden days, you can't even sit by each other in a car anymore, can you? But we had cars you could sit by each other. And so instead of sitting so close to him, I just sat list a little further away. Now, I didn't say anything. I didn't tell him. But I just wasn't so... Well, I mean, we're broke up. You shouldn't have the same privileges when you're broke up, should you? Uh, so I just said a little further. Now, most girls would have done just the opposite, just wanting to win him back, just begging him and just all over him, right? But I just sat just a little further away. And you know, and you know, and of course, now you might not believe in kissing, but we, we kissed. And, uh, and when he kissed me, it was just a little cool. It was a kiss, but it was cool. <laughs> it was a cool kiss. And, um, you know, and there were some other things like that. And here I am giving this big secret away. And you know what? He would look at me and he would say, what's wrong? You're different. That's what he would say that. He would say that to me. What's wrong? You're different. And I, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, boy, in two weeks I had that ring. Not the engagement ring, but... I don't know, some senior ring or something. I had something. I was his and he is mine. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God for Ralph. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Well, God wanted us together. And he had to show Ralph to come to Seagraves, Texas. Bless his heart. Hallelujah. Um, so... um there's divine order in that dating relationship. You know, having a, a physical relationship, sexual, we might as well say it, before marriage is what? What makes it so wrong? It's out of divine order. You know, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you know, you just got to say these things sometimes because there's no other way to say it. But sex in marriage is anointed. 
Anointing. There's an anointing for sex in marriage. Outside of marriage, sex isn't anointed. Living together is not anointed. No wonder you can't make it work. Living together is not anointed. There's an anointing for marriage. Amen? There's an anointing for marriage. Amen? And anything other than that is out of divine order. And you know, some people like, well, they lived together before they got married. You just got started wrong. You live together before you get married. You get pregnant before you're married. And you know, there's forgiveness. Praise God, there's forgiveness. But you just got to know that if you'll do it right, it'll be easier. It'll be more anointed. There'll be more blessing on it. God will just bless. God will just bless. And Pastor and I have always had blessing on our life because we, we did stay in order. When we were dating, we stayed in order. And, uh, uh, and of course, I, maybe it was easier in 1972. I don't know. It was in the 70s. I, I don't know. Passion's the same in the four. <laughs> passion's passion, folks. But, you know, they do have a lot more stuff coming before your eyes. I will say that. You have more things coming before your eyes than we had coming before our eyes. You know, every time we walked down the hall, we didn't see something hanging out. We had most of it covered up. Most of the time. And so there are some challenges to our day. But, you know, God blessed us. You know, even I told this morning how we lived in a house for free when we first got married so we could go to college. Just the blessing of God. The people that let us live in their house was heathens. They weren't even saved. Not even saved people. And they told y'all can move in our ha this little house and live here for free and go to college. Hallelujah. Just the blessing of God. Just got all sorts of wedding gifts, all sorts of just blessings just flowing. Had a paid-for car. Started out with a paid-for car. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the, when things are in order from the root, they will be more blessed. They will pro progress more quickly. There will be less challenges to overcome. If you get things out of order, you can still win in life, but you're going to have to or, or, you're going to have to overcome some challenges. You know, a single mom who has a baby, she can still win in life. God forgives her, hallelujah, and He wants to help her. But how many of you know she's going to have challenges that I didn't face? Amen. Hallelujah. It's just easier when you stay in divine order in the home. Amen? Praise God. So we have these things. Uh, Genesis 2.22, we'll look at this. Genesis 2.22. This is kind of talked about it already, but we'll still look. Genesis 2.22. It says, uh, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. See, God brought the woman to the man. The woman didn't go chasing after the man in the garden, but the Lord brought her to him. You can trust God to order your steps and get you to the right woman, get you to the right man if you're a woman. Amen? And so it, that's, the, that's, the, that's important. I want to tell you something. It's also important to marry right. I have seen lots of situations. I'm not talking about a few. Lots of situations where you had... A godly man, very, very committed, 
very good man. And flat old just had a, the wrong wife. Just had the wrong wife. Just had the wrong wife. Just caused him problems. Caused him not to be able to fulfill the call of God on his life because he had a woman that was just contrary somehow. Just contrary. See, it's so important to marry right. Um, in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's divine order right there. It's divine order for the man to leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. They're to make a new family unit. That is divine order. Amen? Uh, some people don't leave and they don't cleave, but they go ahead and get married. And you know, you might live with your, your wife's uh, family for a month or two and you're building a house or you're waiting for a house or, or something. And that wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But how many of you know if it goes on forever, something's going to get out, something's way out of divine order and it's not going to be Right. How many of you believe and know that for a 40-year-old man to still be at home with mom and dad is out of divine order? There's not divine order in his life. And I'll tell you something, there's not divine order in the life of the parents either. You know, there's a, there's a real wonderful time in marriage when the last kid leaves home. It is divine order to be at home by yourself again and have your second honeymoon. Amen? It's called freedom. It's called, you know, and sometimes people get married and they have kids pretty fast. And uh, they didn't get many of those years when you got to do what you wanted to do, eat what you wanted to eat, go where you wanted to go. You know, sometimes we look at each other, it might be 11 uh, or let's say 10 o'clock at night, and you know, when you got babies, you always are having to think, well, they're in the bed and you're tied down. But I've looked at him before and say, let's just go to Books a Million just because we can. You know, they're open till 11. Did y'all know that? Y'all didn't know that? Well, they're open till 11. And you know, we can go if we want to. Of course, then we always say, nah, who wants to do that? <laughs> got my jammies on already. But, but, but you know, we can. And it feels so good to say, we can. Nobody cares. We don't have to get up and get anybody off to school in the morning. Amen. Don't have to make sure everybody's up and going to school. Don't. It's for, and it's divine order. For, for kids to leave home. You ought to pray yours will. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Um, <clears throat> so you leave and cleave. You, uh, you have to leave and cleave. You leave emotionally and cleave to each other. Do you know it's out of divine order for, my, for, the, my, why, for me, you know, to run home and tell my mama everything about mine and his life. There's a lot of things mama ought not to know. You know, if he treats me not so good, now I'm not talking about abuse here, you know, because I think if, you, if he's abusing you, you ought to go tell mama and you ought to go tell your pastor and you ought to get some help. But I'm talking about we just had a fight and it wasn't, and I did, he hurt my feelings and, and I didn't think he, and he should have apologized and he didn't. And he's just acting like a horse, we'll say. And I just said, your husband ever act like a horse? Hallelujah. Don't say amen. We'll have to do counseling after the service. That's the time to be real silent. Um, anyway, you know, going home and telling mama and her knowing all that, that's out of divine order. 
Now, there's places to go for help that are in divine order, but that's not divine order, is it? So we leave emotionally. We're to leave financially. We're to leave financially, our parents. Now, you know, Eric, he's kind of halfway in between. Colin and Chris have left emotionally and financially, although we're still tied and still love each other. We're still family, still have that family tie. But Eric, he's kind of halfway out and halfway in. Where he's not married and he, he left, but he's not, he's left, but he's not cleft. <laughs> and uh, hallelujah. So we're still tied. I still got some apron strings on him. I still jerk him every once in a while. <laughs> or, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe he jerks mine every once in a while. You know, you can take it back and it goes like this. See, when we have, when a mama has a baby, when that baby's born, we cut the umbilical cord, don't we? That baby has to take a step. That's a step towards leaving, isn't it? Hallelujah. Aren't we always glad when the baby leaves that place? Hallelujah. And then uh, we put that baby on the breast and we feed that baby. And that baby draws sustenance from us. But there's a time to leave. How many of you know there's a time to leave? Hallelujah. So we're always in this process. But we don't just throw them out the door when they leave the breast. We get a spoon and we actually hold the spoon, don't we? Amen. And that's, and that's the next step. And then we get where we let them hold their own spoon, but we put the food on the plate. You know, we don't let Carter go over the stove and fill his own plate, do we? But he wants to, they start real early wanting to hold their own spoon. It's messy, but they want to hold their own spoon. Uh, we, put the, we put their food on the plate. Then there reaches a time where they can fill their own plate, but we put the food on the table. You know what I'm saying? We're providing the food. And that food on the table thing, it lasts a long time. That we're putting the food on the table and they're filling their own plate and they're filling their own mouth, but we're putting the food on the table. But you know, there comes a time when it's time for them to put the food on the table. Amen? It's time for them to, to get their own bacon. Hallelujah. And that's divine order. And then the process starts over. The spa process starts over. And so this is how God ordained it to be that we would flow through a process with our children. We would flow through a process with the daddy being the head of the home, the head of the wife, the, the wife being the... Actually, the wife is the keeper of the home. She's the, she's the boss at home in the sense of not the boss of the father, but she sees to the running of the household. Did you know that? It's the wife that does that. He does. He's not supposed to come in and say, I don't want our bedroom purple. Because she's the keeper of the home. She wants the bedroom purple. Bless God. He's supposed to flow with her on those things. And that is divine order. See, there's lots of things in, in divine order that are uh, good and, and, and simple. And it makes it flow right. And it makes it work right. It makes it do right. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Well, we're, we're going to learn some stuff. You may not have learned anything yet, but you will. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 6, staying in divine order in the home. Now, if you're a single person, did you know there's a divine order for your home? There's a divine order for the home of, uh, for a, a, a single guy like Eric. There's a divine order in his home. There's a divine order for anybody in here that's single. There's a way that God wants you to live, conduct yourself, connect yourself. We talked about this in prayer, but you, uh, when you're a single, when, when you're a married woman, um, and I think, I know there's some exceptions, and we have to work around exceptions sometimes when we are, when we started out wrong by yoking ourselves to an unbeliever or something. If we started out wrong, then we may have to work through problems. We may have to work through trials. 
But in a home that's in divine order, you know, uh, when a woman needs counsel, when a woman needs wisdom, she goes to her husband. And that's divine order. And together, they go to the pastor. If they can't solve it, then together they go to the pastor. Amen? And in my home, the husband is the pastor. But you know, sometimes I approach him as husband because I can understand the difference. It don't take a rocket science to figure out. And sometimes I approach him as pastor and I get the benefit of both. And I know sometimes people wonder, well, why does she call him pastor? Because he is my pastor. And I can understand divine order. And in this, when he's at this church, he's not my husband, Michael. Now, I don't call him pastor at home. Sometimes I'll slip or something. But I don't call him pastor at home unless all the church members are there. Because I know how to go in and out of the relationship of husband and pastor. And husband and pastor. But when he's at this church, he's the pastor. So I call him pastor. Sometimes I slip there too and I'll say, Michael, you know, I'll slip over into the husband, especially when I fall out of my chair. I didn't holler for pastor. I hollered for Michael. Come save me. You know, hallelujah. You know, so praise God. But I know how to flow with this. You know, preacher's kids can have problems with this, but this is no problem. It is no problem for a pastor to be your pastor and to be your daddy too. It's real simple to discern the difference. It's real simple to know that when we're at home and we're all sitting around Thanksgiving, he's dad. But when we come to the church, he's pastor. And you can draw on the pastoral anointing. You can come up and get pastor to pray for you. But at home, you can come and you can counsel with dad or you can, or you can come and you can counsel with pastor. Sometimes I'd even tell him. Now I'm, you know, sometimes when I'm not feeling well, I'll think, I'll pray about it. I'll kind of meditate on it. And I'll think, now, do I get husband to pray for me? Is that going to be more effective this time? Because there's a power in your husband saying, bless God, I'm the head of this home devil. You're not trespassing. Amen. Or do I get pastor to pray for me because there is a pastoral anointing that transcends even daddy and transcends uh, husband. And sometimes I'll hold my peace and I'll wait. And I've even waited and said, now at the end of the church service, I'm going up and I'm going to partake of the fivefold anointing. I'm going to get pastor to pray for me. Amen. That's divine order. And it's not hard. It's not hard. Now, the devil wants to tell our kids, and he wants to tell all preachers' kids, oh, this is hard. And so they get all messed up, and they get all squirreled up because this is hard. You you know, how can he be your daddy, and how can he be your pastor? This is so easy. This is so easy. Don't let the devil squirrel you up on it. You have to have a pastor. God has placed them in this church. They have to have a pastor. They have to partake of the pastoral anointing. But when they go home, he's dad. And they can see him in his pajamas, and he's dad, and that's fine. And they, they can, hallelujah. If you don't squirrel it up in your mind, it won't be squirreled up. You know, uh, it's the same with divine order when it comes to church. Sometimes church members, not in this church so much, because past, why? Because pastor and I understand this. But uh, people try to get to be friends and fishing buddies and stuff like that with the pastor. And that's out of divine order. Now, that don't mean we can't go fishing together. That don't mean we can't have fun together and laugh together and go out to eat together. But we ain't buddies. We ain't even friends. 
and we stay in the office of pastor. We'll just stay in the office of pastor, and you stay in the office of believing we're pastor, and we can always have we can have a good time in church. We can have a good time at the Applebee's. Amen. Because we stay in that office. It's divine order. One time I just want to be your friend. I said, that's fine. We can be friendly. And we can do what friends do. But I tell you what, I'll never step out of the office of pastor with you. I'll never step out of that office. And see, when we know that, that's divine order. And we stay in blessing and we stay blessed. Amen? Praise God. This is so simple. It's so easy, but it's so right. First, second Corinthians, are you there? 614. Um, it says, uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. This is real simple. Divine order. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them, inconsistent with your faith. Yoke yourself to, to, to your faith. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity? And lawlessness? Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Belial the devil? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Nothing is the answer to that. What agreement can there be between a temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, even as God said, I will dwell in and with and among them, and will walk in and with and among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So come out from among unbelievers and separate, sever yourselves from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing. Then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. See, here we have another example of divine order. We cannot fellowship with unbelievers. Those that are not have the same yoke of faith on them as we have. We cannot connect ourselves to them. That does not mean that we cannot uh, be friendly. It all goes back to, to joining yourself. It all goes back to making a yoke. Because what fellowship have you? None. I can tell you, the only thing you can fellowship with an unbeliever about is things you don't really need to be fellowshipping about. Because you can't talk about faith. They don't understand. All they can understand is unbelief. And they're going to be working on your faith, trying to pull it down, trying to sow worry into you, trying to sow doubt into you. Well, now you just don't, you better watch that. I just don't know. You know, that could not work, you know. Well, they're just, you know, things that are unprofitable are all that we can gain from uh, an unbeliever. So we don't yoke ourselves to them. That doesn't mean we're not friendly. That means we don't yoke ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for things getting set in divine order. Amen. So we, we stay rightly connected to, to believers. We find the right mate. You know, God wants to connect you. Now I'm going to get into some stuff here that I think you'll learn some stuff. God wants to connect you to the right temperament of person. Did you know you can get connected wrong temperamentally? And it can be just a constant bickering or constant strife, things even between Christians that shouldn't be going on just because temperamentally you're not compatible. Did you know that when you connect yourself to the wrong person, um, God is so awesome. Have you ever heard somebody, maybe it was on TV, I've only heard this on TV, but it was not on, it was on uh, like scientific shows where uh, a young couple got married and uh, 
it's a one in a million and three chance that their genes and their, that both of them would have the same gene that would cause this horrible problem in their children. Have y'all ever seen that where that happened? Y'all never saw that. Nobody's ever seen this, but Pastor, are we the only ones watch Discovery Channel? <laughs> well, you know, this happens where uh, the, the, the child will have some sort of a birth defect or a, a problem, a serious problem, because the, one, the mother has a gene, the daddy has a gene, and it's one in a million chance that both of them would have it, but because they both have it, when they connect and they have a child, they got a problem. Did you know that if you listen to the Holy Spirit, God won't lead you to marry somebody where your genes don't work with their genes. God will lead you to marry somebody that your genes will work with, and you'll have healthy children. You'll have children that are bright, that are smart. You'll even have children that are attractive. I'm not saying, you know, what the world says is gorgeous, but I'm talking about reasonably you will have reasonably attractive children because you listen to the lord you're following him you're choosing his choice and not your choice you're not getting married because he's the captain of the football team that he's mr popularity who cares if he's mr popularity if he's an alley cat who cares if she's gorgeous if she's an alley cat Maybe girls can't be alley cats. I don't know. But who cares? My husband wasn't even pretty when I started dating him. You ought to see his high school pictures. He was not handsome. Now, they're, they're laughing back there. I want y'all to look how he turned out. And it's not just me and my love blind eyes, you know, they're saying, this is a handsome man. This man is... I told him he turned into a swan. I'm not saying he was an ugly duckling, but he turned into a swan. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wasn't the handsomest person in our school. He wasn't. But I was led. And I was led partly because people were praying for me. Hallelujah. God will lead you um, to a person that will... Uh, he will never lead you to marry a person who abuses you. You say, well, yeah, but they changed. Duh. If God knew Jesus, uh, Adam was going to fall, how many of you know He knew that man was going to change? How many of you think that God knows when somebody's a wolf in sheep's clothing, not quite right on the inside, not suited to be a minister's wife? I know we had a Baptist minister in our town, and she... And he, uh, his woman didn't want him to be a preacher. His, his woman, his wife, did not want him to be a preacher. She wanted him to be a lawyer. But he turned into being a preacher. He ended up with a divorce. It's hard on the ministry. I mean, you can recover from it, but it's hard on the ministry. I, I, and you can just say what you want to. Um, I could name a name preacher on TV who still got a ministry on TV, and his wife just up and left him after 40-something years. Just devastated him. I'm sorry, he married wrong. I'm sorry, he married wrong. God knew that would happen. He missed it. Now, I think sometimes when people marry wrong, both of them do change and it does turn out. But I'm telling you, look at our world and figure out most of the time it don't turn out. Most of the time it ends up in a train wreck. It ends up with divorce and children that are... <laughs> Casualties of divorce. 
Amen? It's important get the right one. It'll, you know, it can keep you from fulfilling the call and gifting on your life. Uh, <clears throat> we're still talking, right, amen? They're making snowmen. i got to keep going because they're, de- they're making snowmen. Hallelujah. Um, the husband's role in the home. Divine order in the husband's role. Let's talk about that for a minute. The husband, the divine order in the husband's in the home is the husband's supposed to be the provider. Now I'm not talking about how much money he brings in and how much money she brings in. She may make more. Press God, that's that's fine. But he still should stay in that role. Just like the pastor doesn't get out of the pastor's role because somebody makes more or because somebody knows more about engineering or somebody knows more about building a church or somebody knows more about uh, the electricity or somebody even knows more about the Bible. Don't step out of your office. Don't step out of your role. The husband is the, to be the provider in the home. The husband's to be the guide. He's to guide the home. I want to tell you, it is out of divine order when the husband is not a prayer and he lets the wife do all the praying and he depends on her prayers. That's out of divine order. Now you can get a little bit of blessing out of that. Praise God, at least she's praying. That is better than nothing, but how many of you say no, that better than nothing is not necessarily divine order. It is out of divine order for the husband not to be a man of prayer. I need my husband to pray. I told him in, in not, but when we were young and we were first getting into these things, I, have, I would talk to him and I would influence him and I would say, I need to know that you're praying. It makes me feel secure. It settles me down. It takes the fear off of my life when I know you're praying. I need to know you're getting up and you're praying. Amen? Well, I was encouraging him to pray just by saying that. And so he, we, when, when, you won't believe this, but when we started out in the ministry, we neither one knew how to pray. We didn't know anything about healing, although we believed Jesus was a healer, but we didn't know anything about how it worked or anything. Didn't know anything about prosperity or how it worked. Had never lived by faith. Didn't know anything about the Word. But I want to tell you what qualified us for the ministry, and it's what qualifies every man for the ministry. You will never qualify the ministry apart from this. You don't have to know anything to be qualified for the ministry. God will teach you as you go, But Pastor taught on it this morning. The only thing that qualified us for the ministry was faithful. We proved our stewardship. We were faithful. Until you're faithful, you're not qualified for the ministry and you never will be put in the ministry until you're faithful. We were faithful. We came to church. We we obeyed the path. We were faithful. We gave faithfully. We, We didn't understand prosperity. We didn't understand how it worked. We didn't know how to live by faith. We was kind of scared of faith. Didn't know how to pastor. Didn't know the first thing about how, what, how the church should be set up, church governments. Didn't know anything, but we qualified ourselves for the ministry by faithfulness. And God got us in, put us in the ministry because of faithfulness. And then He taught us everything else. That's how you qualify for the ministry. Is by faithfulness. Divine, we got divine order. In our, divine order was operating in our home. We qualified for the ministry by divine order. The husband is, the, is wisdom to the wife and to the children. The husband is wisdom. I go to my husband for wisdom. Most everything I do, even to what I, I'll run it past him first. Let me run this past you. 
I just want your wisdom on this. I tell him, I want your wisdom on this. See, there's a gift of God inside of all of you men, all you husbands, for wisdom. All you men too, men too, because you're going to be a husband. So it's, it's divine order. The man is a strength to the family. He's my strength. I mean, Jesus is my strength, but he's my strength also. I lean on him. I depend on him. You gotta be, you, you know, it's, he, your wife ought to be able to depend. It's divine order for her to be able to depend on you, to be able to lean on you, to be able to, to know that you're listening to God. That'll make her feel, str- she'll get stronger because you're strong and she knows she can listen. She can, she can, you're listening to God. She'll know you're praying. She'll know you're doing the right thing. Let me tell you something else that's out of divine order. It's out of divine order for a woman to have to come to church without her husband. That's out of divine order. It's out of divine order for a man to have to come to church without his wife. I'm telling you, that is out of divine order. Let's get our homes in order. And it's stupid for wives to do that because let me tell you something, there's plenty of women out there that'd be glad to come to church with you. Well, I'm not advocating you go find one, but a smart woman guards her home. The Bible says, I I guard mine, my home. I guard it very carefully. I, boy, I'm a watching and praying all the time over my home, over my children. I watched over these children in prayer when they were growing up. I mean, I had my spiritual radar on all the time. I still do. Amen. I'm watching over them, watch, helping, helping Chris watch over Colin. Helping, I'm watching over Eric in prayer. He doesn't have a wife to watch over him yet, so I'm watching and praying. Guard. He, this is mine, and this is my responsibility. Amen? And I'm watching over my husband, and I'm protecting him, and I'm keeping things in divine order in our home. I want to tell you something. It's, my, my grandmother taught me this. I didn't really like hearing her saying it, just like my kids don't like me talking about stuff like this. But my grandmother, after I got married, told me, you know, I learned, Debbie, to keep the keep dinner on the table and to keep... Keep it. Keep things going in the bedroom, and 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 that's how you. That's how you keep your husband. That's how you keep it in divine order. That's how I'm telling you. If you'll keep his tank so full, you keep him so stuffed so full. You know when you're stuffed full. Did you ever go so to the grocery store and you just ate it out back, and then you go home and you wonder why you don't have anything to eat the next day because you didn't want to buy anything. But did you ever go to the grocery store hungry? You will put, you will spend a fortune because you are hungry and you will put everything in your basket. Every Twinkie, every Moon Pie, everything you see, you popcorn, Cokes, you will put every kind of junk food there is in your basket when you're hungry. And it's the same way in marriage. Husbands whose tanks aren't full are going to be tempted. I mean, they're flaunting it out there, they're flashing it out there, and they want your husband. And it spoke, I'm going to tell you something, in marriage, this is divine order, in marriage, don't get mad at me now, some of you just put your hands over yours, it's supposed to be hot in the bedroom. And I'm not talking about running the thermostat up to 80. It's supposed to be hot. And you know, there's a lot of women that didn't get it hot enough in the bedroom, and then husbands stepped out, and they're whining about it. And it's their fault because it wasn't out. Of, it's 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 out of divine order. God invented sex, and he and, and he he thinks it's hot because he wrote Song of Solomon. Some of you can't even bear to read it. It's so hot, and he likes it hot. And and it's supposed to be hot, and it's supposed to be, and there's supposed to be food on the table. Amen. 
Hallelujah. That's divine order. I'm telling you, it's divine order, ladies. It's divine order. And it's wisdom. The wise woman builds her house. That's, this is how we've lived. This is how we've lived our lives. <clears throat> the wife's role in Genesis 2.20. We're not there anymore, are we? I, don't, I think I'm already kind of talking about the wife's role, aren't I? What time is it? This watch doesn't even tell time. It might be 9 o'clock. It's over. Oh, oh, uh. <laughs> and, and Adam, oh, that's not right. Genesis 2.20. That's not right. Okay, well, we don't even read that scripture. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Adam gave, let me, oh, I want to read it now. Oh, this will be so good. Oh, I'm helping some of you tonight, even though you don't even know it. And it's kind of painful. Genesis 2.20, And Adam gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the air and to every wild beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper meat or help meat suitable, adapted, complementary for him. You know, the wife is called the help meat. And that gives us a real big clue to her responsibilities in the home. And a divine order in the home is to help. She's supposed to help him with everything. You know, family, ladies, he needs help. I know I didn't get any amens from the men, but he needs help. If the home's going to stay in divine order, if the home's going to be blessed, he needs help. And you're the helpmate. She's, she's not the only prayer, but she has to be a prayer because he needs help. Uh, she's that watchman like I talked about. And the Hebrew, and I got this out of this book, Hebrew, the secrets of Hebrew words. Uh, it says, Hebrew, she's friend, she's companion. Without a helpmeet, there is no progeny, no seed, no children, no future. The woman looks forward, not backward. Her role more than history is destiny. The woman is responsible for the destiny of the home. A godly woman is... Uh, well, i got to read this to you. I had to bring this because I was afraid. I, I didn't want to say I'm in fear, but I didn't think you'd believe me, the men especially, if I didn't read this out of a, this Hebrew scholar, this book. This is so good. The Hebrew for rib. You know, we were, Eve was taken from his rib. Hazalah, Hazalah. The Torah teaches us about the creation of woman. Y'all want me to read it in Hebrew? Ve'yaven Adonai Elohim et hazela asher laka men hadam leisha va'yeheva el ha'adam. I think I did good. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man when he made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now listen to this. The rib in Hebrew is hazalah. From it God fashioned the first woman, wife unto Adam. It was woman unto whom was granted an extra measure of wisdom. I just love it. She would evermore stand at man's side and be for him, le'azah, the rearranged letters, ha-zalah, which means for advice. Y'all didn't like her telling you and giving you advice. And it was God all along. For advice, an extra measure of wisdom. In the words of the Talmud, if a man's wife be short, let him bend down and incline his ears to listen unto her sage counsel. When in doubt, ask your wife. She was made to give you best advice. For advice, the rib, for advice. 
for advice and influence. I'm so amazed that some women had they get the scriptures messed up and they well well he's at the head of the house. I'm just not going to say anything. Bless God, I am. Now I'm going to stay in divine order. And there's been times I got out of divine order, and I'm quick to repent when I do. I know my kids have seen me get out of divine order because when you start becoming the faucet, the dripping faucet, or you know you become contentious then that's out of divine order, isn't it? Both ways, if he was to do that. But I'm going to say something. There's been times, and Pastor wouldn't mind me saying this to you, in, in mostly in earlier years, when he would say, well, we're gonna do, I, I'm not going to do this. And I'd say, yes, we are. Bless God, we're going to do the right thing. Yes, we are. Don't let him, women, I'm talking to you, don't let him do the wrong thing. And you just say, well, I'm just, I just don't want to say anything. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to say, yes, we are. We're going to do the right thing. And you're going to do it with him. And you know what? He would. He just needed a helper right then. He just needed a helpmate. He just needed a helpmate. If he says, I'm not going to church. Yes, you are. You're not sending me and my kids to church by ourselves. That'd be out of divine order. I'm not my, I've told him. He, I've told him before. You're not going to do that in front of my sons. My sons, my sons will never see that. That won't happen in this house. Now I'm not saying we've had a perfect house. My sons could. You could get them off, and they could tell you the times that mom got out of divine order. But I will tell you, I did repent to God and to pastor. I mean, you could probably talk to the staff and say she got out of divine order at church before, you know, in the office, you know, because it's happened. I can tell you. Did anybody ever get in the flesh around here but me? Amen. But, you know, we ought not to stop just because we messed up one time. Amen. Uh, he says, I'm going out with the boys tonight. No, you're not. No, you're not. Now, by the same token... If he if she says I'm going home to mama, he ought to say no. You're not. Not I'm gonna sit you down here and beat you, woman. If you don't know, you're not going home to mama. We're gonna sit down here and we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna work it out. Amen. I mean, I believe in being an influence. I'm a helper. I help him. Boy, I've helped other situations. I know one time we had a big blow up. Y'all ever have any blow-ups in your family? Not me and Pastor, we didn't have that big blow-up. But I remember with one of our parents, we had a big blow-up. Oh, I mean, it. there was some words. So I just said, they wanted to be mad, but I said, no, we're going to pray. And I'm, we made, I made it. I said, no, we're going to hold hands. And we're going to pray, and we're going to all ask the Lord to forgive us. And they didn't want to pray. They wanted to be mad, but bless God, I was using my influence, and we're going to do the right thing. And so we all... Prayed and repented and got right with God. Y'all ever have any problems in y'all's family? Are, are we the only ones that ever encounter anything and have to deal with things? Amen. Women, we ought to be helpers. Helpers of the family. Helpers, of the, helpers for our husband. Helping him make the right decisions. Helping him, you know, when men, the devil tries to get the man off and the devil tries to get the woman off i hope pastor would tell me no he did tell me no before i'll tell you well i'm gonna close tonight and some of you can say amen oh she has hurt our toes tonight well <clears throat> hallelujah i i want y'all to be in divine order i want to be in divine order amen let's stand up together